Hello and welcome to Being Minority in America, a podcast that is all about sharing the stories and experiences of what it's like to grow up and be a minority American. My name is Terry Wada and I am one of your co-hosts on this podcast. And today we're going to be talking about civil liberties. And the big question that we're going to be sharing our experiences about is, do minorities feel civil liberties are equitable for all? Now, take into account the stories that we're sharing is only coming from myself and Rochelle. So you have two minority perspectives. We're giving our response to what we've experienced and whether or not we feel that it's been equitable for all. We hope you enjoy this podcast and thank you for listening with an open heart and open mind. Hello out there to everyone who is listening to us again. We've got myself, this is Terry, and this is Rochelle. And we are your co-hosts with Being Minority in America. This is our November uh, edition of this podcast. So thank you so much for joining us. We have some really great stories that we want to share with you today. Um, and we're going to get a little bit deeper so you can get to know us a little more and some of the interesting stories that we've had, or I should say interesting experiences that we've had in the past. And because this is a really special month being that it's November, and if you if you've been following us, we always release our first episode on the first Tuesday of every month. We all know the first Tuesday of November is Election Day. So if you are listening to us on no- on November 3rd on Election Day, <laughs> thanks for tuning in on this very special day. It's always exciting when it's Election Day. I've always gotten excited about it because it always has to do with, you know, that idea that we are a democracy, that our voices count, and that every person who is a citizen in America, in the U.S., has a voice and has a right to be here. And so our episode for today, our question that we're going to be talking about is going to be t- pretty closely tied to idea, uh, this idea of civil liberties. So this was a wonderful question that Rochelle had put out and it's do minorities feel that civil liberties are equitable for all now we can only talk about this from our own perspective and we've spoken a little bit about our our uh, I guess ethnic backgrounds I'm a Japanese American and I'm in my I just made 40 so I just hit my 40s So I'd like to say I've I've got, you know, a few years under my belt to have some experiences to draw from. And Rochelle's spoken of her background, but if you want to share again your background, Rochelle. Well, yes, I am an African-American woman. And I, I think I got a, a half a decade or so over, <laughs> over Terry. <laughs> but no, again, we, we do come from the vantage point of our own personal testimonies and, um, you know, to share. And I, I do understand that everybody comes from different quadrants of the United States and even in the world that may be listening. But I think there's some common denominators here that we all want to be respected. We all want to be heard. And uh, so hopefully what we share today can resonate and also shine uh, shine the light on um, what's been going on. So, yeah. Yeah. So great question. Great topic. Do minorities feel that civil liberties are equitable for all? Now, 
I, I we when you first brought this question up, I had to. I think I told you this. I was like, I need to think because I, <laughs> you know, it, it's so easy for me to say that. Oh yeah, it's equal. I've been raised and I've been taught and I've been, uh, you know, growing up in in a society that's equal for all because that's that's what we stand for as Americans, right? That's what our constitution stands for. That's what we've been built on is equality, equity for all. Um, so I had to do some really deep reflection and, and I'll, I'll share my story first um, around civil liberties and my thoughts on that. And just to answer the question, I'd have to say, no, they're not, not for all, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think we are all equally treated um, under the law. And I love that, you know, when you think about what is, what is it, what does it mean? What is, what are civil liberties? It's just equal treatment under the law. And, and is that how you feel? <clears throat> when you put it to me that way, Rochelle, I was like, oh, well, easy way to answer that question. No, not at all. And, um, and so a story that, that I wanted to share was um, it kind of tie it, it, it's, what made me realize, um, I guess what was powerful in this experience was that I started to realize when I'm, when I've been not treated the same as other folks who may not look like me, I never, I never placed it. I never realized that maybe I was being treated differently because mm-hmm. of the way I looked. And, and also, you know, you could say I'm like I was young at the time or I'm a little, you know, I'll admit everyone's a little ignorant. I was ignorant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I grew up in Hawaii where I was, if anything, more in the majority than I was the minority. And I've had so many different experiences when I've moved out to the, we call this the mainland, right? <laughs> Since I've moved <laughs> to the mainland. And, uh- um and that's where I've started to realize some of these experiences that I've had. I, I, I have to really reflect to be able to place them and say, you know, I think I'm being treated differently because of the way I look. Um, because I, I, you, I've hardly had those experiences growing up. So this one, I had moved to New Jersey uh, probably in my early 20s. So, well, you know, almost, almost 20 years ago. Kind of scary to say that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I had moved out there in my early 20s. And um, and when you move to a different state, you know, I had my driver's license in Hawaii. So right. course, another state got to get a, a you know, New Jersey driver's license. And uh, everyone told me, oh, the DMV is horrible. They pay forever. Make sure you go early. So I had all this in my mind thinking, OK, I got to go. I'm just going to get this done. I'll go in the, on, a, on a work day where, you know, most people are going to be working and hopefully they're not going to be at the DMV. So I show up early before they even open. I think I showed up at like seven, I want to say it was like seven 30 and they opened at eight. All so, right. Yeah. Right. Get Get to get there early. Um, there was a line already forming and outside the building. So I figured, okay, I'll just get in line. I could see the door. So it wasn't too bad, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, long story short, it took me from seven 30. I didn't get out of there till close to around four. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I think about this now, I'm just like, oh my gosh, think about the people who are waiting in line voting, right? Right. <laughs> kind of experience. So I didn't really think much of this. I thought, okay, well, everyone had told me it, take, it takes a long time to, to get anything done at the DMV, right? So I go in and what happened was essentially I, my citizenship kept being questioned. 
So everyone kept asking me, are you a citizen of the United States? And I, I'm standing there with my birth certificate and my Hawaii license, right? Like I have a state ID, a legitimate state ID, a driver's license from Hawaii and my birth certificate, which says I was born in Hawaii, in Honolulu. Um, And, and several people in there had questioned whether or not I was a citizen. Are you a citizen? And I said, yes, I am. Last I checked, Hawaii is the 50th state. <laughs> I don't know how you forget, you know, number, not the last one. Usually you remember the first and the last. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, Terry. So they put me in this line and I end up waiting there. And then it, the question is, are you a citizen? And I showed them my credentials. And I said, yes, here I grew up and I was born in Hawaii. And Hawaii is a state. And here's my license. And I stood in that line, I think, probably for about two and a half hours. This is the first line they put me in. And the lady's like, well, then you don't need to be in this line <laughs> because uh-huh. you're a citizen. And I was like, okay, well, thank you. So what line <laughs> do I need to go to? And she directed me to another line, which then I have to stand in for probably another two and a half hours. That one, I think, was to sign some kind of paper or form in order to take the driver's test, you know, the, the paper test. And, um, and then after doing that, you take the paper test and you have to stand in another line. I don't even know what for. So this last line, I have no idea what I'm waiting around for. So I'm standing in line and the lady just gives me a number. So I stood in line to get a number and I get this number and then I sit down and then I'm just waiting and I'm waiting and waiting and I'm seeing people come in and go out and come in and go out. And I'm just thinking, okay, it's a DMV, you know, maybe they're doing other things. Maybe they're just getting license plates and not changing their their license from one state to another and I was like okay maybe that's that's what's going on um but you know hours go by and I go up back to the front and I check with the lady I said this is my number it hasn't been called I know that other numbers have been called I just want to make sure like yeah forgot about me and and she's like no you're fine you know we haven't forgot about you just go sit down and wait and so I wait for you know even more more time just keeps passing by and the next thing I know I'm just it is three o'clock I've been here oh my god 30 what is going on? And um, event, you know, finally I get out there, I, I get my license and, and it finally, everything go, goes through and I, I'm able to leave. And now it's close to four and I'm just thinking, Oh my gosh. And, and yeah. my whole thing, like my takeaway at that time being like, you know, 22 year old was like, I hate the DMV. New Jersey <laughs> sucks. Like you guys got to get your, <laughs> get your things together. I don't know what is wrong with you. Um, and that's how I took it. Right. That's how okay. I, that's how I made sense of that experience when I was in my early twenties. But when you had asked me about civil liberties, that's right. the experience that I went through. And I, uh, I, I could not imagine if I was anyone else that I would have waited that long, that I wow. would have stuck it out and said, you know, I just got to get this done. And there was something in all of the, um, the mistakes, you know, I use air quotes when I say mistakes, the mistakes or the excuses is to, oh, you need to go in this line or you need to go in, oh, I'm sorry, you were in the wrong line. We didn't know that you were a citizen. You know, it, it's, I never placed it as maybe I'm being treated this way because I don't look like everyone else. Exactly. But yeah, that was where, you know, I think back on that and absolutely, absolutely. I was the only Asian American in that building. I was the only one um, that I was probably the only one who was there for eight hours because everyone who was in that line with me was gone. There was wow. no one 
that is something, you know, and I'm so, so sorry, you know, to hear that, that that happened to you. And so many people um, out there that may be listening will have that kind of frame of, of reference. Mm-hmm. I love the word that you use, placement, when you're able to reflect, because sometimes during that particular time, you really are not aware, you know, A, because you, like you said, you were in your 20s, but, you know, age is not necessarily a criteria for, you know, or not knowing. Mm -hmm. So that's not it. But the the thing is, is just the fact that we have to give some, some credence to this, you know, it's a good possibility you were treated that way because the way you look. Mm -hmm. And I, I know for myself personally, sometimes we try to discredit it or you know, we want to look at things differently, but sometimes it is what it is. And sometimes yeah. you got to call it what it is um, because it, it shouldn't be this difficult for uh, a person, a young person or any person to be able to go to, um, a, you know, an agency, a state agency mm-hmm. to, to do the right thing and have to be there. My goodness, Terry, you were there longer than, than the actual employees. I mean, like <laughs> you said, you got there early. Yeah, you, got so, there early. you did. You did. Kind of and, right, right? and rightfully so. And uh, yeah, I do know sometimes that the BMV will get that. Um, uh, people will say it takes a while, but it shouldn't take that long of a time, yeah. you know. So again, it goes back to what we were saying: equal treatment under the law. Mm-hmm. And I would say, for me, being an African American female, I would say absolutely no. I don't. I don't feel that. I, I believe that, you know, looking at um, myself, my family, um, some older people in my uh, my family. No, um, we haven't received equal treatment under the law. It has been some uh, disparities. It's been a whole lot of um, oh. things. We're supposed to have customary rights that we don't have. And mm-hmm. there have been times you know, people may say, oh, just get over it. And I think I shared it in the other episode. Every time you think you're going to place it somewhere else, then you go out, you, <laughs> you leave your door, and then there you got another reminder. Yep. So, you know, that doesn't happen. Um, a co- I have a couple of stories, but I'll try to be really quick. Um, one story in particular, I, put, I posted on social media that mm-hmm. I started thinking about what's been going on in these last few months. And sometimes, you know, with this, with the pandemic, you're, you're, you're being still more. So of course you can think more, Mm -hmm. but one thing that really struck me and it made me sad is that I thought about that here, my mother uh, was a hardworking woman. Um, She was very intelligent and bright. Mm -hmm. uh, And she also was a taxpayer. And here, my mom wasn't able to vote until 1965. Yeah. You know, that really was a gut shot. And I shared that information, reiterated that to my daughter, you know, giving her one of the reasons why, you know, that I vote. Um, One of the reasons why a lot of people in my family vote. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't take that lightly because that is our our customary right to vote. Mm -hmm. And here my mother wasn't. And so just people, you know, sharing that, you know, my God, Rochelle, I mean, I didn't really think about that. And not necessarily, you know, it was all Black people. There was people of all different um, races was reaching out to me saying, mm-hmm. I cannot believe 
you know, that this this was happening in 1965. And, you know, and I'm thinking, too, prior to that, I was sharing with some younger people that there was a lot of things that it wasn't equal treatment. You know, if you wasn't African-American or you were non-white, I mean, you had to, you know, just I mean, there was some different kinds of things. You had to guess how many jelly beans were in a jar to vote. I mean, it may sound ridiculous, but this is what happened to people that were Mm -hmm, mm non-white and how sad. So equal treatment under the law? No. And still, even today, um, I want to share a little bit about, and this has been a while. My daughter was, uh, she was a little girl. So she was in the back seat and we were coming from church Mm -hmm. and my church in quote, as people had informed me, I'm not from Indianapolis, but I've been here, you know, 30 years, but they say, my church is in the inner city. <laughs> so I guess that's a, a a nice word of saying, you know, it's in the black community. I mean, all these different words, but they still have the same credence, still have the same meaning. But anyway, right. I was leaving from my church on the Sunday morning and we, you know, my daughter and I, we were just, and it was bright and sunny. And I remember getting, you know, in my rearview mirror, I saw the, I saw a flashing light of the police in mm-hmm. my rearview mirror. So um, for me, just like most African-Americans and minorities, you know, my heart was just was pounding. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, my God, you know, I'm not like some of my counterparts, uh, you know, people uh, that are non-white, you know, they're like, well, why were you so why were you fearful? And I was because I didn't know. And here, you know, here I'm a female and here I have a young daughter and Uh my husband wasn't with me and I got pulled over. Why I, I pulled over, you know, I'm thinking about all the things that, you know, I was told to do, you know, you know, make sure you have your hands on the wheel and don't make any um, rash movements and things. And, you know, um, a lot of people don't have that kind of experience. So, so, you know, the police officer sat in the, in his car, maybe for about 20 minutes, 25 minutes without even coming up to my window. Oh, my goodness. And so my daughter, a little thing, you know, she was, you know, was like, mommy, you know, what's what's going on or, or, or what's going what's going to happen? And so here and I'm talking to parents out there, you know, um, you are in this mode of, of panic. Number mm-hmm. one. Number two, you, you're also thinking about your child. And number three, I'm thinking, am I going to make it home? Yeah. And so, you know, um, one one close friend that's Caucasian, she's like, why did you think you were not going to make it home? I don't understand. And I said, well, let me tell you why, because there's there's so so there are many reasons. So no, no equal treatment under the law, because, first of all, when you had me to wait for a half hour, nearly a half hour in my chest, Mm -hmm. my heart is beating out of my chest. And my little girl is like, you know, starting to cry. And I'm probably starting to weep now. Then you come up to the window and then I roll down the window. I'm still keeping my, my, I'm gripping the steering wheel. And the officer said, well, I need to have your driver's license and your, your registration. And I'm asking the officer, what did I do? What is going on? And he never said, he just took the pieces of, 
information, went back to his car and sat another half hour. Oh my goodness. And so my daughter's crying. She wants her daddy. You know, it just was, it was, it was terrible. And I stayed a panic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So comes up to the window. I'm still asking and I'm crying. What did I do? It, and the thing that looking back on it, I can still get weepy, but I'm also can get pretty upset about it because I, I knew I didn't do anything. I knew I didn't do anything, but you, you start questioning who you are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. you know, then finally, when he gave my information and he said, you can go now. And I'm still saying, what did I do? So, and I remember that like yesterday. Yeah. So when I finally got home, my husband, and this is, you know, prior uh, cell phones, I guess I'm kind of dating myself now. <laughs> and, was um, you know, I'm, I'm telling him, he saw that I was crying, I was upset, mm-hmm. and my daughter was crying, and here he felt helpless because he's, the, you know, you know, he's the protector, and he, and I know for a second, I thought, well, maybe I did something wrong. And he yeah. was detained for a whole hour. Mm-hmm. For no reason. For no reason. So I can't explain that away. And I've had some other friends say, well, you know, he just had a bad day. But I'm thinking, well, how many times people that don't look like me, have you ever had that? Have you ever had that happen to you? Now, I will put a pin in it and say, there's some wonderful police officers. I have, you know, a couple of police officers in my family. Oh yeah. So I'm not saying that, but on that particular experience, I will say wholeheartedly that I did not get equal treatment of the law. And mm-hmm. I felt even more upset that I was raising my daughter to respect the officers in blue. Yeah. And to this day, if anything, I should have been protected. But again, when I look at it more intently, here I was leaving from my end quote inner city area church, and now I'm I'm heading home, but I don't necessarily live in what they call inner city. It's probably like, what are you doing in this neighborhood, first of all? So that's probably what it was, and being African American on top of you cannot tell me that that's not the reason and many yeah. people tried to say bad day for the officer all this kind of stuff and I just you know asked my friend Cindy I said well have you ever had you know have you ever encountered an officer with a who had a bad day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you wouldn't want that experience so anyway oh. I, I didn't talk all day so that's <laughs> my, that's my one story I have another one but um, yeah that's what happened right and and I think What's really interesting is the the fact that we try to make sense of it. We try to justify it. We try to rationalize it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We try to say it's bad or right. and I think that's that's what's really dangerous. Yeah. Right? Because when we we don't identify it and call it right. as it is, whoever right. it is, 
that needs to identify it. Like for me, I think it was more so me being able to identify it. Um, and then you for your friend being able to identify it, right? That it had to do with what we look like. Exactly. Uh, that, that if you, if we justify that away, or if we try to make sense and, and rationalize it and say, that's not what it is. Right. That's the dangerous part. That is the dangerous part. And I think that's why it's gotten so, gotten so prevalent because we don't want to call it what it is. And because, you know, I've had somebody say, well, you know, this is so uncomfortable. Well, mm-hmm. I look at it like minorities, in my opinion, and you know, in, that, in my experience, mm-hmm. you know, we have been uncomfortable for a long time. Mm-hmm. To be exact, yeah. African-Americans have been uncomfortable for 401 years of uncomfortableness. Mm-hmm. And you know, but you're right. And that's why I think you get a little mad at yourself for justifying. I'm thinking, well, maybe I did something wrong. What did I do wrong? And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Like one of my other friends said, hey, that's called driving while black. And I'm like, oh, my God, here I have yeah. a baby. I know. You know, it's, that's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, it's horrible. It is yeah. horrible. It is horrible. And um and they're there and it I would I would be dishonest to tell you that I haven't had similar experiences mm-hmm. after that. Like you said, mm-hmm. people are like, why can't they just get over that? Well, every time you get up and go back out and you know, you're reminded that you're different and it's okay to be different. It's okay. But mm-hmm. I, it's great. We should love great. their differences. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anybody that has, you know, all white walls in in their house, you know, in their houses, you know. Color is good, different is good. But again, that equal treatment, equal treatment of the law. And this is really getting me, you know, it really gets me sad because <clears throat> you know, certain people don't have equal equal treatment. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I also want to talk about a little bit about, you know, uh, we have the right, we, everybody, black, brown, white, yellow, have the right to protest, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, the, disparate, the disparities. We have a right. Now, I'm not condoning violence and looting and all that, but we have a, a right. And I remember one time when I was a particular football player that took a knee and everybody was so bent out of shape that, you know, he was, he was protesting. And somebody said to me, you know, these people, they get paid all this money. They should just shut up and play, play ball. <gasps> I was like, it, I was aghast at that. Yeah. But I think this is how, yeah. you know, many people feel. So, yeah, I can say it wholeheartedly that um, there is an equal treatment under the law for every single person. And that's bad. It's sad to me. And I think it's so pertinent. Like, I think this this was one of the reasons why we had thought this was such a good question to cover today of all days, Uh, being that, you know, we are entering, I guess, an unprecedented time for so many reasons, right? And one being the amount of voter engagement and voter turnout this year. Yes. Fantastic, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and 
it's it's been so disheartening to see everything that's come around come up around voter suppression i mean and and the fact that they're not calling it voter suppression you know exactly. i mean that is a civil liberty for all americans to yeah. have an equal voice and an equal vote exactly you know whether or not they want to count the popular vote or not that's not that's not under question because we're not able to control the electoral college anyway but we all have a ballot and we should all have that ability to make sure that that vote gets counted exactly yeah that's and- exactly right you know I, I think to this line you know about we the people that should be so true for every single person and um you know, I, I remember being so excited about when I turned 18 to be able to vote and, you know, just hearing some of the hardships that people are going through here in the 21st century, mm-hmm. you know, making it harder to vote that right. we do have a voice, you know, and I, and this was kind of hard. I remember someone saying, um, not ne- necessarily directly to me, but I remember someone saying about well, if those those people don't like it, they can leave this country. Well, I thought about that, not leaving, because first of <laughs> all, I was born here. I'm not I'm not leaving anywhere. <laughs> uh-huh. But the other part of it is, and even if I wasn't born here and I chose to be here, and I chose to be, you know, to be a a, a great citizen here, mm-hmm. then I have a right, even if I was visiting. I still have a right to be, to be true. Oh yeah, that right. Um, but you know, my thought on that, being an African American, is that my ancestors were not immigrants. They were brought here, and they died. They, they toiled. They bled. So, uh, if anybody have a right, I have a right to be in here. Yeah. And this is what I tell, and I don't take it lightly, and um, but I do want equal treatment for for uh, for everyone. And my life matter. Mm-hmm. My life matter. I, I don't think that's your life. <laughs> I don't think that's uh, to, to ask. You know, I don't think so. No, I know no. so. <laughs> I, I, yes. I am you know several liberties for mm-hmm. for for my family for the for the upcoming generation and something has to take place because for... we are so much we're more powerful together than we are separate but I even think about my military friends mm-hmm. that's paying the ultimate sacrifice for this country and come back mm-hmm. to be treated, you know, like they're not even a second class citizen, but a third class citizen. Yeah. I know. And the kind of treatment they get in healthcare and providing yeah. benefits for them, it's it's really sad. It is really sad. But I will say that everything, all the success of America, I mean, and we have been so successful, is not mm-hmm. because of one, two, or a handful of people. Mm-hmm. The success of America is because it's been a many people 
that have worked really hard to get America to, you know, this this great beacon where people all over the world want to come. <laughs> you know. Oh, I love that. Totally see that the the beacon of light, um, and and it's you know I I always want to think that we one thing that will get us through anything is hope and um, exactly if we are strong enough and we are willing to stand for what we believe in and we put our voices out there exactly and we start start to you know call things as they are and just be open to hearing it uh, from other people as well then we can make we can make that light shine brighter exactly right? i think you it would be so sad i, th- I think um you're you're you've hit the nail right on the head that just because you shine your light terry i shouldn't feel that you're coming to attack me i i mm-hmm. i should be able to be kind enough to be appreciative enough. and the only thing i need to do is turn my light on and stand next to you mm-hmm. um, and then we all shine bright yeah, right. We can shine even brighter. But I will say that that hope part, because that's true. It's mm-hmm. like you know, our group. I don't that room is, but if you just mm-hmm. walk in with a flicker, I mean, it can illuminate the room. So I will say always that uh, a shining light is is more powerful than the darkest of darkest. The mm-hmm. darkest of time. So together we're gonna, we're gonna pull through. But I, I will say yep. before we leave, before you close us out, Terry, that I think we do ourselves a disservice. I think we do our ancestry a disservice. I think we do future generations a disservice when we step back when we don't take a stance because there's so many people before us that took a stance and they even died for that stance. So in response to that, we can't take a back, a back seat. Mm-hmm. We can't take a back seat and go to the back of the bus. <laughs> nope. We have to come nope. to the front of the bus. Actually, we, we drive the bus now and we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a great, a great, sentiment to close us out on um and so we'd like to wrap up and thank you for listening to our stories listening to our experiences and hopefully they i mean hopefully in a good way they resonate with you and that you're able to find some connection in the experiences that we've shared and 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 even if it may not have been your own experiences but maybe it was one of a friend's that you had heard and and now you're able to place it and say, you know what, maybe it was as she felt it was. So we hope that these stories and our experiences help to enrich your life. And because this is November and it is election day, we're going to remind you, go out and vote if you haven't already. And even if it takes eight hours, do not let them, anyone, any system, anything in place, take away your equal right to vote and your voice. So thank you again. Thank you, Rochelle. I always love it. Thank you more. (laughs) All right. So we will be back next month, uh, second Tuesday of the month in December. All righty.